Welcome to the Talent Acquisition Innovators Radio, the podcast for talent acquisition aficionados, HR lovers, and recruitment professionals out there looking to get inspired and challenge traditional approaches to hiring. Here, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the recruitment process, engaging fresh talent, managing tough internal hiring dilemmas, and of course, the future of talent acquisition. I'm your host, Sim Samra from Recruitee. I'll be quizzing the experts, asking the burning questions, and of course, bringing you great guests each episode. By the end of every episode, we'll offer a few hypotheticals and of course, tips to take back to your team and workplace. Hello, listeners. Today, I'm joined by Dora Wagner of Bird, and she's going to be discussing a little bit about full cycle recruiting with me today. Dora, welcome. Thank you. Why don't we begin with you telling us a little bit about what you do, how big your team is at Bird? Sure. So um, I work as an in-house recruiter for Bird for almost a year and a half now. We do end-to-end recruiting, Mm -hmm. um, and that obviously includes um, everything from picking up the balls to writing the job descriptions with the managers and all that until contract and onboarding. Yeah. It used to be only myself and my manager, <laughs> but now it's three um, full-time recruiters, um, the recruiting manager, and we have two coordinators as well, helping us with the scheduling and with some of the admin stuff. How long was it just between you and your manager dealing with um, recruitment? Six months, but then we went from 20 roles to 60 and we had to, we had to hire more people. So that's when um, our other colleague joined as well. Okay. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I'm going to kick off with asking your opinion on what makes for a good full cycle recruiter. I actually thought about this question a lot, but I think there's a big difference between in-house recruiting on full cycle recruiting within a big corporation versus a startup. Mm -hmm. Because I did both and I, I immensely enjoy more the startup because of the fact that you can be so close to the business, you can be so close to the hiring managers because the teams are smaller. While while I was before at PVH, it was 2,500 people. There's really zero chance that you will ever meet every hiring manager and the teams and understand it to the depth that I understand what goes on at Bird. Yes. And so for me, understanding the workplace operations, uh, company culture, uh, team needs, from personality to skill sets missing is super important. Hiring manager needs, obviously having that sort of more close relationship because you can just grab each other in the building. It's not like you're Mm -hmm. constantly on the email or on the Slack or on phone. Ability to to bring your ideas to the table is super important for me. Like I think a bigger company would have more hierarchy. And I think when you're at a startup, you're just starting out none of the processes is like set in stone and you have the say on how you would make it better and I really enjoy that part as well Um, and also just the fact that you can have a one point of contact from candidate experience perspective but also hiring manager perspective too having the full cycle and and having that point of contact is super important I think for the candidates not to say like, okay, we have a person to do the screen, we have a person to do the coordination, we have a person to do the recruiting uh, thing. And then after when you're done with your contract, it's already HR Mm -hmm. and you don't even know who you're supposed to talk to as a candidate. So I think that also helps to be part of the full cycle. How do you stay on top of all the touch points with the candidate in a full cycle recruitment experience? 
Every time I get feedback from a hiring manager, I don't really follow this process of let them sweat for one or two days more to see if we're going to move forward. I like moving people quickly forward and I reject people quickly too, because I think they deserve to know and, and move on in case it's not a match. So it's just all about being very organized. I think you really need to be super detail oriented because I do, even though my coordinator helps obviously with the coordination side of everything, I have to do the admin of everything. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that everyone is in the correct stages all the time for our reporting as well. And just on the topic of um, just getting back to candidates as well, mm-hmm. uh, if you do have a flood of candidates coming in for a specific position, yeah. say you're getting to the stage where you need to hand out rejection letters, are you aut- automating them or are you personalizing them? So I have a template. Obviously, I think everyone does. It would be a lie to say that we write everything on the spot and then trying to make it work. But I have a template with XXX in it, which XXX stands for the feedback. So So you do try to give back feedback? No, obviously. I I really want to be the constructive kind of feedback. I love the kind of feedback where you're like, oh, you just didn't make the cut. Um, Especially deeper there in the process, more detailed the feedback I am demanding from the managers as well. I think it's, again, it goes back to hiring manager connection. Once they trust you that you're bringing the right people, they are more inclined to do whatever you ask from them as well. So I always say like a good person, good personality, these sort of feedbacks are not flying. We need to like really dig deeper as to why not. And if there's really no differentiation between two, then would we have the opportunity to hire them if we have another role and then I keep them warm. So it's, all about like having that connection with the candidates too. Okay. How many people are involved in your full cycle recruitment process at Bud? I think from the get-go, we have the intake, obviously with the hiring managers. They're less involved. I usually help them write the job description or, or yeah. um, we also now starting to introduce a more detailed interview guide for everyone who's in it. Mm-hmm. And then it's the recruiting coordinator and myself throughout the interview processes. And then afterwards it's HR but we are partially in the onboarding. I still help them up until they come on board. And then usually they still keep me as a point of contact if they have any questions and I just like direct them to the right person. But it's not that much. I think Mm -hmm. we really reduced it to the minimum as to how many people you have to be talking to. Okay. Sourcing talent effectively is crucial to your hiring process. What have been the most effective sourcing strategies for you to build your talent pipeline? One is to understand the team and what they really do. Again, having a smaller company really allows you to be able to sit a couple of hours with the teams, getting to know them and also understand what their day-to-day looks like. Because we also saw job descriptions that have zero reflection on the actual work. And every candidate's first question about the team is what my day-to-day will look like, who are the people I'm going to be working with, can you tell me something about the culture there? So what I'm trying to do to build an effective pipeline, no matter if it's sourcing or if it's um, talking to people and just trying to figure out whether they're the right fit, is just to understand the the to-dos. And so I always start with a big, like a a really general Boolean and then start like filtering on things that I need or add things that I need. And then hopefully I'll end up with like the few, because obviously if you put in operations and analytics, Mm -hmm. then you will have 30K results and then you can just start like filtering on things that that we are looking for but I think it all goes back to understanding the backgrounds also that you need so like just looking at the teams what are the backgrounds we already have is this working for us and if it is then trying to look for something 
like yeah. similarities as well. And it's an essential skill as part of the full cycle recruitment process because sourcing is a little bit different from recruiting yeah. um, and you apply both skills into uh, what you do. And it's essential, I guess, for someone who's trying to get into full cycle recruitment to be able yeah. to understand how both work and how they differ. And um, I mean, I was a sourcer before. I right. was a sourcing recruiter before in an RPO model with Ronstadt, mm-hmm. working for Nissan. I think sourcing is only needed really if the role is super niche, yes. like more well-established the name of the company as you will get like certain talents in. Our strategy is always to look at what comes in within a week. And mm-hmm. then if, if we don't get the traction we need, we start sourcing for the role. Yes. And then if it's like anything too confidential or things like that, of course you have to do um, searches. But I do think that we do less search and less sourcing at this very moment because we are getting the correct like, traction for the roles as well. Okay. How have you made the most of technology to improve your recruiting over the years? Um, are there any types of software that you would consider a necessity? And I just want to get an overall view if you use um, employee assessment tools in the hiring process or any sort of things you use to, to help boost your recruiting efforts. I really like Calendly a lot. It helps also with LinkedIn reach outs mm-hmm. instead of the back and forth. When can you make it? Here's my phone number things like that and miscommunications no replies it's just easier just to say like here's my link and um, let's do this um we don't use any assessments at the moment we do okay. have some analytical tests that we send out that the managers do mm-hmm. but it's more about the ability to do the job rather than are you a fit personality wise and things like that i have experience with it we did it previously at the previous companies i work with the insights tests with the colors and also just to find out whether someone is like a thinker, a feeler. So it's more sort of psychometric testing. Yeah. That and getting an idea of their personalities as well. Exactly. Okay. Just to, We had that before. I just don't feel like it measures as well as people think. I think I had a bad day. I can be a thinker. Mm-hmm. I have a good day. I'm a feeler. Just as much as I can flip between yellow and red, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it, I don't think it's an accurate. I think you should always talk to the people first. Um, what we are testing out now, hopefully soon, uh, is video interviewing because I have some, you know, customer service roles and things like that where you have like 130 applications. It's really, it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. to interview everyone. So that's something that I, I want to try definitely to boost the efforts and also to put people through the process quicker. And I also wanted to say Crystal, which is one of the extensions I had on Chrome. It's surprisingly accurate for a free tool, I have to say. Um, it basically gives you an overview of someone's personality, how they would work and things like that on LinkedIn. So if you can you can connect it to the LinkedIn and then, and then basically gives you like a whole overview of the person, how they like being talked to. And it's based on all the AI that's behind it, uh, yeah. on the interactions that they have on LinkedIn or the reach outs that they do, or if they're inactive, then they're probably not as you know social and outgoing. So it's funny, we did it for our whole team very very accurate so i i actually like reading about that sometimes if uh, i'm preparing for like um, maybe an executive interview or like a senior interview just mm-hmm. to sort of be on the same page with the person okay a positive candidate experience is good for your employer brand and can help you build a healthy pipeline how does full cycle recruiting help contribute to this I mean, how can it not contribute to a good candidate experience when you have one person to talk to them and that person comes back to you and that person is there for you and, and arranges everything? Even when 
for example, I would send someone an email and, and my coordinator helps. I just put her on CC, but I'm still on it. If they have any question, I still follow up after the interviews and things like that. So you just really need to think about the journey. And even if you think, oh, I'll get back tomorrow, that person, you've been that person before mm-hmm. who sits at home shaking and waiting yes. for that call. <laughs> and nobody wants to be held on for, for too long and no replies and no updates. Having the end-to-end point of contact is super essential. How involved are you post-offer stage um, in helping a candidate become the employee? Do you take any steps to ensure a smooth transition before they head into onboarding officially at the company? As long as I sign the contract, and you know, depending on the notice periods, it can be in the Netherlands, it can be one to two months, mm-hmm. but in Germany, it can be a whole quarter. Sometimes, you know, three months even. Also in France, it's crazy. (laughs) So in order not to lose the candidate, I keep them like warm for like every two weeks. Just I put a a note in my calendar to check in. Um, I also make the whole team sign a postcard that says love bird um, to welcome them at the company. And we send it to their home address. It Mm -hmm. was a big case for Christmas because then, you know, you can can, like really make someone's day. And I got a lot of feedback from people that they really enjoyed it. So what I'm actually working on now is also like a relocation little box that we could send like with like, you know, a rain poncho and like Mm -hmm. an Amsterdam map and things like that, just to have someone, because when you move here, I think the biggest shock you have, except if you come from the UK, <laughs> indeed, is to is the weather, and and uh, I think everyone needs to sort of like brace themselves for it. So I always try to like make sure, and we can also um, support them, for example, swap with uh, mm-hmm. subscription. So we're trying to give a lot more information. Um, we book them the BSN number appointments if they, for example, relocate. We um, bring everyone here for onboarding, everyone who we hire for EMEA. So they meet the central teams as well. Mm -hmm. And then I meet them face-to-face if I haven't. And then after, I think that once they're onboarded, they still, as I said, come to me for some questions. If they're in Amsterdam, then of course you you either become closer because you see each other all the time. But I have to say like the office that we have here, like almost every floor there's someone or multiple someone that I hired. It's a great feeling to see the growth, you know. And then I think having that relationship with them also allows us to work on retention better. Mm -hmm. Like they are not really leaving. And that's, I think is a huge plus for the company too. Okay. Well, we've talked a little bit about onboarding. Um, I also want to just talk to you a little about when it does get to a time where employees want to move on and explore other opportunities. Do you also place enough emphasis on the offboarding process as well? So the offboarding sits with HR. What I'm into is more internal moves. So some people come to me after almost like being here a year, right? And it's a startup. So you have to understand time flies very different speed. You know, and recruiting is, is one of the these companies as well. It's just, it doesn't feel right to retain someone in the same role for more than 18 months because you learn so much in one year. Yeah. Like literally it just is not even comparable to, I think any corporation where you have like a soft task here, you have end-to-end projects all the, all the way. So offboarding, not something I'm very involved in. We do really try to work on internal recognition mm-hmm. and promoting. So the first thing we do in intakes as well as recruiters is have you thought about anyone who would be good within the company and if they say yes, then we need to look into replacing that person if they want to move rather than having someone 
come above them yeah. when they would already be able to do the job. So we had a lot of, um, we actually just finished our um, performance reviews and everyone is going to get their, um, you know, promotions or, or, or rewards or, mm-hmm. you know, salary raises. And I think a lot of people got promoted six months ago as well. And I think it creates a better cultural uh, vibe as well, that you know that you have somewhere to go and grow to. Yeah. I just want to find out what your biggest learning has been in full cycle recruitment so far um, in your career. For, especially here, I think one of the takeaways is you never can get in comfortable enough right? because they throw a lot of learning curves at you. <laughs> um, I wasn't even here seven months when my uh, manager went on maternity leave and I had to pull my way way harder than yeah than previously not because I didn't have someone subbing in from the U.S. but because they were in the U.S. so it's just one of those uh, things that you can always improve on and I feel that um, if I were to learn nothing further here that would be a shame so you know I think having to work in a startup I can work on projects I can invent processes I can work on a lot of different things and wear a lot of different hats Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of my biggest learnings is that oh, I'm good at that too, or I'm good at that too, or oh my God, I can't help out here. This is great. I really enjoy this part of it. So just having that understanding of yourself and learning about yourself a lot more as well. Okay. Is there a piece of advice you can give to a recruiter who's potentially working for a startup and looking to move towards a full cycle recruitment model? I think that everyone needs to understand that this is not nine to six. Mm-hmm. I think any recruiter who is doing a good job knows that um, sometimes it demands more of you than eight hours. And I would not advise anyone to move into a role like this if you're not 100% committed to a the company, because I think it's super important to be passionate about the company equally as about what you do, but also about the candidate experience. Because I, I see a lot of people who shouldn't be in recruiting sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk to them and, and you feel that, um, that why, why are you even, you know, yeah. <laughs> doing this? I think especially for a startup, you really need to be like 100% dedicated. So unless you're really like willing to take this role on, I, I don't think um, there are other ways, you know, recruiting agencies, RPOs, yeah. um, bigger corporations with lesser roles as well. Because also here, I don't work on one department I worked I worked on all the departments to begin mm-hmm. with so you really need to be on the top of everything for sure okay well we're out of time oh, sorry <laughs> no worries I want to thank you for joining me today oh, thanks for and, having um yeah well we'll thank you for listening and join us for the next one thanks again for joining us on the talent acquisition innovators radio we hope you enjoyed the episode and of course if you did feel free to share it on LinkedIn Facebook Twitter or wherever you're most active. And if you'd like to be updated on when our next podcast is going to be released, you can sign up at blog.recruity.com slash podcast. See you in the next one.